Hello, welcome to another edition of the Hoop Scoop Podcast. My name is Nate with my pod pal, Phil. Hello and welcome. We're winding down the NBA regular season. A lot of intrigue. We got play-ins. We're going to talk some all-NBA before the, the, the wild... The wild ride that is the NBA playoffs. We'll get this out of the way first, and uh, we got I'm, the I'm wilder. Good. Yeah, play-in. I'm good. Yeah, the plan. Let's talk about the plan first. But Phil, before we get into the play plan, I want to just so I want to kind of get it all out in the air about what we think about the plan. I feel like we haven't talked about it extensively, so I've kind of come to this conclusion where I like what it's doing. In terms of, I, I like how it's making the end of the regular season more interesting. There's all these different subplots to follow. You're jockeying for seeding. There's obviously two extra spots. And then those teams that are kind of on the fringe of them, like the, the Knicks, for example, these games mean a ton because you don't want to fall off that plan. So I, I like how it's making the games more impactful. But on the other hand, I don't think it's entirely fair. If that makes sense, I I think that it's I still find it a little gimmicky, where you know it, it's just kind of arbitrary in my mind where these last two seeds get a chance. Meanwhile, you know, I, I, it just seems like a, a big advantage between the six and the seven, where realistically the six and the seven cannot be that huge of a gap. And then some years maybe there is a huge gap where the seven has like last year for example, where the Mavericks had a crazy lead over the eight and they were actually close to the three than they were to the eight, I think. So I, that could happen in a given year. So I'm struggling with it because on one hand, I like the impact it's having on the league, but on the other, I think it's kind of inherently unfair. I don't know. I just want to get that off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> you got your little spiel going. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It, it is going to be a little gimmicky, but realistically, any you know established situation, pivoting almost a full 90 degrees is going to seem gimmicky the first few years. If the NBA sticks with it, maybe it'll become more fleshed out and it'll seem more natural. Just, just think about when you go back last, you're going to be like, okay, it's just 7th and 8th seed, as opposed to now it's 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th seed fighting for those two spots. It's going to take time to really, I guess, just flush it out. I don't know if the NBA is going to keep with it. If they get enough, they might just wimp out and be like, never mind, we'll stop. But realistically, the way it's ramping up or setting up for this season is we're going to get a very interesting first go of it. Because right now, if things stay where they are, maybe change a little bit, we're going to get the Lakers and the Warriors in a one-game theoretically playoff. Obviously, they go if they whoever loses goes down to the lower-ranked seeds. But a Steph Curry versus LeBron one-on-one, you know, one game wins it all. Game seven before the playoffs even start. That's got to get everybody going. That's got to get people interested in watching the playoffs. So there is that element of you can really garner a lot of interest just to get the playoffs started and then carry it out for the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, I. Yeah, I think I think there's gonna be really good games, and uh, we'll we'll get into the matchups in a second. So I, I I'm, I'm yeah I'm I'm really not I think it's gonna be a good product, and there's gonna be some very you know interesting matchups. This year is kind of an anomaly where you have a team like the Lakers, who it seems will likely be in the play-in, and I think a lot of people are gonna have them as one of the title favorites, which is crazy. And you're not gonna have that on a regular year, but that's just the way it is. And uh, another thing we also have to mention, of course, is between the impact of last year with the suspended season and the bubble, and then this year with the limited fans, uh, the NBA, I think, they're, they're and this is goes across the league, not just the teams that are involved in the play-in, but they're trying to do everything to kind of 
scrounge as much exactly yeah. you know get as much as they can in this short term to kind of put themselves in a position where they can get back to normal next season so i get it and you know that makes sense and realistically that's going to be good for the fans as well like we don't you know we want the nba to be able to put on the best product possible and they've obviously had a, a set of tough circumstances between the the no fans and then everything that happened last year so yeah this is probably at the end of the day coming down to that but regardless i think it's gonna be a good product let's get into the matchups phil so whoa, whoa, a lot right quick one yeah, one right thing quick. the nba is also i mean this is big rumors but they thought about adding in two new franchises because the buy-in i think it was the buy-in for each of the new owners of those two teams would re i guess it would basically negate all the money that they lost over the COVID season for every other team in the league so I think you have to pay somewhat of 250 mil to each other team for getting into, for joining the league. And mm-hmm. so that was something that was thrown about. So would you rather have the play and stay? Would you rather have the two new teams come in or would you have a combo of both? I, pro- it's a, the play I'm struggling with because like it's fun, you know, it's fun. And the thing is we're going to have fun with it, but I, I still don't really think this is a good idea like I, I i know that people like everybody's like yeah it's gonna it's gonna be great we're gonna have all these matchups but at the end of the day you know, from a competitive standpoint i don't I, I don't think it's very fair i you know like i don't think that you should have to do a play it just seems arbitrary that, that's that's kind of what i'm coming down to like why is the six so much more valuable than the seven why is the 10 so much more valuable than the 11 it's like at this point let's just have every team make it i don't know like I, i'm usually an advocate of less playoff teams not more so i don't really love it i would I, i'm i'm co- totally open to different ideas because i think you know the more interest the better and i love what it's done for late game bas- uh, late season basketball where you have more teams invested but just from a competitive fairness standpoint i don't think this is the best setup still in terms of expansion i am for it i don't really know exactly how it would work in terms of you know getting players on those teams i guess like you have i mean the last time we've had an expansion team was i believe i think the magic charlotte or no charlotte Oh, was it Charlotte? Charlotte coming back. Charlotte Bobcats. And yeah. I think they had two teams in Charlotte for about a minute. And then the Hornets went down to New Orleans and the Bobcats stayed. And then they flipped Okay, off. yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, I got I got no problem with that. You know, it's, you know, cool with me. <laughs> 32 teams, not not a, a huge difference in 30. So I got no problem with that. I'm a little, a little not, a little unfamiliar with the logistics of it. But yeah, that's where I stand. I, I, I I'm struggling with the play, and I'm interested to see where they what what they do with it moving forward. I like the impact, but I think the execution still needs refinement. That's my that's my say. That's fair. I think part of it is well, first of all, you never answer the question. We'll get back to it. But <laughs> I don't. I, I don't that... feel equipped to answer the question. If I had to choose, it's I'd probably tough. go expansion. I'd go expansion. Yeah, I think it's tough because the expansion that really changes the dynamic of the league by adding thirty more roster spots. Yeah, two more spots in the draft. You go back that much farther when you're coming around for the top of the second round, which two picks do make a difference. And yeah, I mean, if you went full add-on to more teams, maybe it would make more the play-in because you have even more diversity at the bottom. 
and you have more reason for competitiveness when you're kind of in the bottom of the rankings where it's, I mean, look at the tanking teams this year. We're seeing a lot less of it. We're seeing Bulls, we're seeing Hornets, guys we thought were just going to keep tanking, continue the rebuilding process. They're buying in and trying to push forward to get into that playoff, play in because they think they can win a few games or two against anybody and make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'd probably lean expansion given all those variables, but it's it's a tough question. We'll see what they have to do, what they're going to do going next season. I think next season is going to be a a huge. Uh, they're trying to get back to normal, so we'll kind of see where they take it. But yeah, uh, enough of the mumbo jumbo. Let's talk matchups quickly before all NBA. Right. So right now in the East, Phil, we have yesterday's game between the Heat and the Celtics was pretty important, and that gave them the Heat a little bit of a cushion when it comes to playing. They have a two-game lead on Boston between the six and the seven. And they play again tomorrow, so another big game. But Miami gave themselves a little bit of breathing room. And as of now, we're talking Celtics 7, Hornets 8, Wizards 9, Pacers 10. Wizards playing very good basketball. I was on them earlier in the season, and I made a bold prediction at the halfway mark that they would get to above 500. They're not going to get to above 500, but if they win the rest of their games, they could get to 500. And that's a team that I don't think anybody is going to want to play just from the standpoint of having two guys like Westbrook and Beal who can take games over. Beal actually going to miss the next couple of games with uh, a hamstring injury, I believe. So that's something to monitor. But overall, the playing scenario in the East, pretty interesting. Boston, of course, a team that I think people still want to believe in, but it gets harder and harder given how inconsistent they are. Jalen Brown missed yesterday, so that's definitely noteworthy. But big takeaways from what, we, what we're seeing in the East right now, Phil? Uh, it'll be interesting down the stretch. Wizards are – we're going to need Westbrook to just kind of go even more crazy than he's been going. And, yeah, I mean, hopefully it's not, it's not possible, is it, for the Bulls to knock off the Pacers? I don't think so at this point, right? But, yeah, the Pacers are just kind of boring and seem like the easy out for whoever the nine seed ends up being, which will probably be the Wizards. Yeah. Um, the Hornets are. I'm not. I don't know what's going on with Gordon Hayward. He's kind of been the forgotten player in this whole shuffle. Lamelo Ball. I think it's something his wrists. He went from ankle to wrist stuff. Whatever it is, he, he, you know he's he's a huge part of their team, and if he's not there, then they're not really much of a threat to do anything. But if he is, then. That's a good team. The, the, Charlotte was playing pretty solid basketball for much of the season, and then they just got completely decimated by injuries. So I know everybody yeah. wants to pencil Celtics into that seventh seed, but Charlotte-Boston, if Charlotte is fully healthy, two teams that have huge center holes, so not like either team is going to make a huge take a huge advantage of that weakness because both of them struggle in that area. So that would be an interesting play. And, uh, yeah, Pacers are just very uninspiring right now, you know, it's been at the end of the year we're going to talk about i think some of the some teams that disappointed and i mean they, they got to be the top they're gonna be the top of my list because coming to the year i thought that they had one of the more talented rosters in the east and i know the tj warren injury nobody thought it was going to be this long i mean he's uh, he missed the whole season but still having malcolm brogdon an all-star and Sabonis. The Miles Turner injury now hurts, of course, but I don't think anybody anticipated Indiana to be this low in the East. So that's a tough break for them. And, of course, they can move down, but, yeah, I'm having a hard time seeing. 
it seems yeah, a pretty pencil throwing a lot of blame at Bjorkren. I don't know if he's the yeah, I don't know if they're really, you know, if he's really the problem or it's just like the emotions kind of got too much or whatever. But yeah, they're missing TJ Warren. He's a big part of their offense. And you look at the Pacers, they're one of the teams that are really struggling on offense. And then defense has just been mediocre. And you kind of expected that offense to be, you know, seamless. And it's the same thing with the Hornets. I was saying, or I was going to say with Gordon Hayward, because they really don't have any holes when they have the Bonk Bros, LaMelo, Gordon. P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges, they just have a really good core of eight, roughly, and then they fill it in with Larry and Biombo, whatever they need. And, yeah, they just really can put up a good fight when they have that full package, as opposed to when they're missing one of their key guys. It takes away from their baseline being good, as opposed to having a star that carries them over the top. That's valid, yeah. So, East is what it is. I think we all kind of... I, I, I'd pro- if I had to choose two teams to play, I'd probably want to see Boston and Washington there at the end. And, yeah, you know, Boston would probably either play Milwaukee or Brooklyn at this point, both of which would be really interesting first-round matchups, even though the Celtics have struggled all year. You just have you have a hard time counting them out based on their pedigree and what they've accomplished in the past. So We, we should talk uh, Eastern Conference seedings because if things stay the way they are, the Nets and the Bucks are slated to to duke it out after the Bucks face the, the Heat. And then whoever's left has the Sixers in the Eastern Conference Finals because they have a pretty easy easy path. Obviously, yeah, the, the one, Pacers yeah. and the Wizards are, yeah. But, you know, they're, after that, it's the Hawks or the Knicks. Yeah, the one seed was huge uh, just to be able to avoid the that Nets-Bucks matchup in the second round, you know, playing either of those teams. And it looks like the Sixers pretty much locked that up. They're, they've won eight straight pretty quietly. But, yeah, seating is very interesting, and, and it's still very up in the air, right in the middle, that four, five, six. Knicks, Hawks, Heat. Knicks are a game ahead of the Hawks and the Heat, who uh, have the exact same record, 37-31. Hawks have the tiebreaker at this point. So whatever happens there is going to be super interesting. And, and, you know, from Miami's standpoint, if they get either the four or the five, they're going to be favored in that matchup. And if they end up winning, then Philadelphia, Miami in a cakewalk in the second round too. So yeah, yeah, the heat, the heat are kind of like the, I don't, they're the, they're the wild card in this whole situation where they've underachieved this year, but it still just looks in spurts like they can get together. It just hasn't been sustained. So, and we'll, we'll we'll kind of get into more of these teams in the, you know, the analytical stuff, I think, yeah, yeah, playoff yeah. preview stuff, but this is just kind of the overall landscape. Uh, yeah. Let's shift west for a quick sec, Phil. Do you want to talk so, playoff or play in first? Let's Build talk playing. Let's 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 save the playoff. I want to get an All NBA. Get that all off right. my. But let's, let's get it off your chest. Yeah. In terms of West playing though, Lakers seven, Warriors eight, Grizzlies, Spurs nine, ten. It looks like the Lakers are going to be a playing team, which, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago when LeBron went out and not I, well, LeBron when LeBron was out and they were, the Lakers were struggling and how this was a possibility. They don't hold tiebreakers over either Dallas or Portland. So and right now they're a game behind Portland, two behind Dallas. So, yeah, Lakers in the seven and the Warriors in the eight. And as you said, that would be just an absolutely colossal even though the lakers would be heavy favorites in that game when you got Stephen curry on your team anything is possible so exactly yeah 
And I saw some people, I don't know if I, I, I wouldn't say I saw some people, but I was watching the Lakers Suns last night and they were talking about this ridiculous thing where the Lakers should want to get in play in so that they can have time to get loose and warm themselves up for the playoff. And I'm like, it's just, that's, I mean, that's an idiotic Who's thing to say. Who's that? <laughs> the Suns or the Lakers? No, it was, MB- it was like it was the NBA TV with Channing Fry, you know, like one of those. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Isaiah Thomas. That would make sense then. No, I mean, like, come on. I, I don't – listen, I would no, think – it's, it's, yeah. It's I would be pretty cash. surprised if the Lakers didn't get out of the play-in, but you don't want to be in a one-game play-in against Stephen Curry. And then if you lose that, then you would have a much easier matchup you'd think against either Memphis or San Antonio or maybe if New Orleans gets in. But still, like – it's the NBA, you know, one one game's one game. You don't want to be in a one game situation against anybody. So that's ridiculous. I don't think the Lakers actually think that. I don't think they want to be in the play in, but I do think that they've kind of accepted that's their fate. Um, but last night, Anthony Davis was uh, that was the best game I think he's played all season. So that has to be great to see for Lakers fans and against the Suns, none other than the Suns, who if they do get out of the play in and make the seven, that would be their likely opponent at this point you know the 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 top of the west seems to be shaken up a little bit where the suns now have the two games behind utah three games up on the clippers so it looks like they're going to be the two it looks like the jazz are going to be the one and if the Lakers stay at seven that will be the first round matchup which would be big that would i mean that would be that would be something and we'll, we'll talk about that if that does happen but yeah playing situation it's it's still a little up in the air at the bottom Pelicans can make a run and get into the 10, but if Zion's not playing, then uh, that, I don't know, that's not fun. So, <laughs> Yeah. Do you think uh, Suns fans are going to chalk it up to bad luck? The one year they're very good, the, the NBA just happens to put play-ins into it, and the Lakers are popping off against them? Yeah, I, I don't know. I never loved the idea of, you know, like, really, like, like dodging teams in the first round. I get it, you know, you, if, if – you don't want like you want to hold off till the end, but you're gonna have to play him at some point. And I, I do I mean, think. I mean, if you're if you're the one seed and the Lakers somehow end to be the eighth or the seventh seed, the Jazz are like, okay, legitimately we got two someone else else's two cracks at knocking them out before we even have to face them. So there's that element of you might not even have to see them if something breaks the right way or not. Making you're right. It easier for you in the long run. You're right. You're right. I but. If yeah no I, I get it I, I I just I subscribe to the mindset that if you if you believe you are a contender and that you are a title contender then you know you you're gonna have to get it done and if the team does beat the Lakers then that team's gonna be a hell of a matchup also whoever whoever plays so right and especially with the Lakers who I mean the season has been as disjointed as any other team I mean the Lakers and the Nets who are ironically the two favorites in each conference have had just completely disjointed uh, seasons where there's been no continuity roster wise. It seems like they're playing a different style based on who the personnel is every week. So I'd want to play the Lakers earlier and see, you know, if you can kind of take advantage of some of that lack continuity, although obviously they do have a lot of turnover from last year, uh, not turnover, lack of turnover from last year where it's still the same nucleus for the most part. So it's not like the Nets where it's a brand new squad, but I think playing the Lakers around one, where they're still kind of getting their footing with some of those new pieces could be a little bit 
more palatable than maybe playing them in the Western Conference Finals after they just have two series wins under their belt. I, I, I do think that there's something to that. Yeah, no, there's there's both sides to the to the coin. Um, you could legitimately catch the Lakers sleeping or not fully ready. But to be fair, with, with the way the West is, you would hope the Suns or the Clippers could do that as well, maybe even Denver. The Lakers are vulnerable, and you could re- legitimately catch them sleeping, and any four of the, the top four seeds could do that. So I guess my point is that maybe Utah or maybe Denver, since they'll be in the other side of the bracket, they're hoping that they stay where they are. So then the Phoenix and the Clippers have to get a crack at them before they even have to touch them. Yeah. Maybe they can do something to them in the first round. But yeah, it is it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, I don't really want to talk with the Grizzlies and the Spurs. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's pretty sleepy <laughs> until Zion gets in, then then our coverage gets overblown because ESPN's on it. Yeah, we'll preview the playing games when they do get finalized, and we'll we'll dive into those matchups. But for now, I'm ready to get to all NBA. All right, three, two, one, let's go. All right, so we're doing first, second, third. Let's break it down. So obviously there's all this kind of positional mishmash. You still do need two guards, two forwards, and a center for each team, but the positional flexibility for all these different players is just ridiculous and all over the place and just stupid, honestly. Do they do it by specific player, or is it – Yeah, yeah, like there's certain players that are – and there's no rhyme or reason. Like some of it is – like Jason Tatum, who's a guard forward, Tatum never plays guard. Like almost, right? He, he doesn't play guard. But a guy like Donovan Mitchell is only a guard, even though I'm sure he plays in some forward lineups. I, I don't watch every Jazz game, but I'm assuming there's times where it's you know Conley, Clarkson, and Donovan Mitchell out there. Like who's the guard? Who's the forward? I don't know. It's just dumb. It's arbitrary. It makes no sense. But we'll play by the rules for the most part. You know, don't get on us too hard if we kind of. Uh, miss some not miss guys but like just like I, I didn't think about yeah, it we too miss hard cast. honestly yeah. yeah I didn't think about it too hard but I, I just I tried to put the best players in the top 15 for the most part from from this season so let's go first team uh Jokic and Embiid are both forward centers which I, I considered just not making Jokic um Embiid a forward and just making the second team center but yeah, what? It's just um, I I put him first team just because if he's eligible, he, he should now. be there. So yeah. I my front court, which I think is going to be everybody's front court if they do play by the rules, is Giannis, Jokic, Embiid. Back court, I went Curry, Luca. Yeah, I did the same thing. I've I know you've been I've been telling you about this. I've been dump, jumping between Dame and Luca, but really. The games kind of do matter, even though it's one game over Portland right now. Dallas has. I, I don't know. Luca's been doing a little bit more, and Dame's had his star back for a lot longer than Luca's had his star back to the actual level they typically produce at. So I'll give the tip of the cap to Luca. So same same first team as me? Yep. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, not too much to go on. I mean, I, I've been on Curry all season. I think that he's, you know, a top – three MVP candidate, probably right after Jokic and Embiid. Luka, yeah, there's probably – I mean, you could – Dame is the third guard, I would say, there. Just yeah. for me, like, for all those people that kind of were, support, you know, talking about how great Dame was doing when the whole team was injured, Nurkic, McCollum, whatever, the team hasn't really done as well as we probably thought they would when they came back. So you kind of you keep it 100, you know, when uh, – 
given the fact that they have gone healthy and they haven't really gone up in the standings right now, you know, they're, they're the six and they've won three straight now. So they're playing solid basketball and Dame's had a great season, but just from the standpoint of doing more with less, I'm giving Luca and Curry the nod there. So, and that, yeah. I, Gian, Giannis, the okay, champion, I don't think there's really much of a debate. Right. All right. You want me to do second team since you did the first one? Go for it. I'll start. All right. So I got Dame. I put PG in the guard spot, assuming that's flexible. Kawhi, Julius, and Bam. Interesting. I yeah, uh, I could I couldn't give Gobert his roses. He he does not deserve it, in my opinion. It's I mean he has to make it because of the center position, but the center position is kind of barren at that point. You go past Jokic and Embiid, you kind of take out the most of the crop that actually deserved to be on a team. All right, so I have. I have Dame there as well, and I have Kawhi as a forward as well. You, wait, you, you said Kawhi, correct? Yep. Okay, yeah. I have Kawhi, and I have Julius. So that those are those are all similar second-team guys. Um, guard spot, I want Chris Paul instead of PG. I think that Chris Paul has, even though the numbers aren't as gaudy, I think he's been the best player on the Suns this season in terms of orchestrating the offense. Crunch time numbers are ridiculous. Probably the best crunch time player in the NBA right now. Defensively, he's holding his own. So Chris Paul's my guard next to Dame. And I put Gobert there. I don't know. You, you, I don't think you could keep Gobert. I, I, I know that, listen, if you want to have conversations about Gobert's actual value when it comes playoff time and all that, we, we, we are most certainly going to have those conversations. And I'm going to keep a close eye on him when it comes – playoffs but regular season i think you got to put him second team he's the the anchor of that defense he's offensively although he's not you know a guy you're gonna give post touches he's not gonna stretch the floor he still is a major part of that offense and a big part of why they get so many open threes is the role threat that he presents i mean i don't have him as high as this but 538 currently has him second in the nba right now which is pretty crazy I, i'm not obviously entirely sure how they calculate right behind Jokic, he they have him as the second best player of this regular season in terms of total war so i had to book gobert there the jazz have been great surpassed everybody's expectations and just by the numbers and by the impact i think he's been their their best player in the regular season I'm not saying he's their best player i think don mitchell push comes to shove is their most valuable player but Rudy Gobert this season has been the best. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things with the All-Star game where they have such a good record, you have to give them someone in the either All-NBA, I don't know who you have for your third team, but All-NBA or a high All-NBA team. So I, I don't really subscribe to that. I don't know. I kind of like the Bill Simmons thing where he says, legitimately, your, your three All-NBA teams should be the guys that you think are pretty much the top 15 guys in the league. Obviously, Bam doesn't really fit that, but he definitely fits it closer than Gobert for me. That's fine, but I think you have to to, you have to, you know, toe the line because I think if you want to break ties, then sure you can, you know, think about who you think is just a better player if you were to break a tie. But like if we're doing that, then LeBron James. I mean, I'm assuming he's on your third team. Maybe well, I mean not. For the, he's on. I mean for the season. I'm not talking like just in general. I mean, who this season was to okay, me the I, best player. I think, but yeah, I think I, Gobert, you don't think Gobert is a top fifteen player this year? The the, the well, the I defense... think he's a top. He's he's on my list. On my list. Okay, 
All right. Yeah. I mean, okay. If he's on your list, he's on your list. I, I, mean, I don't have Bam on my top fifteen. I don't think, I, I don't think he's been the best player on the Heat oh, even. So, and I, you know, spoiler, I have on my, I have Jimmy Butler on my thirteen. But I think Bam, wow, he's been very spoiled he, at all. <laughs> he's been very good, Bam. But if I'm gonna go between him and Gobert, I, I gotta go Gobert. He's been the better defensive player, and I don't think Bam's been offensively. I don't think he's taking a jump. He's taking a little bit of a leap, but he's still not like a consistent score to the point where it completely puts him ahead of Gobert. I think Gobert has definitely been the better player this season. So interesting though. So who's going to be your center in the third spot? I think a player that's getting, yeah, a guy guy who's getting completely overlooked. And uh, Uh, I think I have a guess. I'll let you get, Um, do we want to go to third team? Yeah, well, why not? Okay, do you, I'll let you. I'll I'll name you, I'll name my third team uh, the the guards and the forwards, and I'll let you guess the center. Okay. Okay, that's fine. So my third team guards, I'm going Kyrie Irving, and I'm going Paul George, and then okay. my four my forwards, I'm going LeBron James. Oh, and I have it right here. I'm going LeBron James, and I'm going Jason Tatum. What happened to Jimmy Butler? You just said before you had Jimmy Butler. Oh, yeah, team. I did it just – oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, I made a mistake. Okay, yeah. I'm going Kyrie – oh, Jimmy Butler is my – What, guard. is LeBron getting center minutes now? No, LeBron's going to be forward. I actually don't have Tatum. That was a mistake. Tatum, Tatum was my first honorable mention. It's, it's, Butler wow. and Kyrie, it's Butler and Kyrie, PG, and LeBron, and then center – you can guess, guess. like, yeah. Is it Vooch? No. no. Okay, good, good. I thought you were going, like, some Vooch crazy <laughs> wagon. All right. No. Uh, tell me who it is. Clint Capella. Uh, actually, I can't. I don't hate that. That's actually a good point. I respect yeah, I think, Clint Capella. I watched I mean, his it, Monopoly doc with, uh, with Lowe. There's a Monopoly doc with... Capella? It's not a doc, but they did a whole thing about how he just plays Monopoly with Danilo and a bunch of random Hawks players all the time. Ah, uh, okay. Well, yeah, Clint Capella, I, it's, you know, numbers-wise, it's pretty similar to what he's usually doing, 15, 14. He doesn't shoot, whatever. But he's been the, the perfect fit with Trey. You know, a guy who it, – it's kind of like a Harden – uh, Clint situation, but I think Clint stepped it up defensively. He's been – one of the best defensive centers in the NBA. I could make an argument that he's probably the third best defensive center behind Embiid and Gobert. And it's just everything that that team needed, they got in Clint Capella. A, a, a reliable role man, a great rebounder offensively, defensively, low-key switchable, you know, like not a guy you want covering guards consistently. But, you know, if, if, if he's stuck on a guard, it's not the worst-case scenario. He doesn't have cement feet. He's – he's a really good center, especially for what they need. And the Hawks have been very good this year. And I, if I told you before the season that Atlanta would be the fifth seed in the East, six games above 500, you'd probably think Trey Young's having like a, a borderline MVP season, but realistically Trey Young's probably having a worse season than he had last year. That's no knock on him. I still think he's having a very good year, but Clint Capella has been the difference maker for this team. And I think, not the reason, but one a huge reason why the Hawks are as good as they are. Yeah, you know my thoughts on Trey Young, so I won't go into it. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good point. I, I like Clint Capella. 
I'm, I'm reconsidering now. He didn't even come into my frame of reference. I was just like, yeah, he's, he's not season. coming to a lot of because I feel like when people go on VA, they they you know they go down the standings and they think they okay, look at all stars. Like, yeah, and they say okay, like this team's doing well. Like why this team's you know, like who's who's the big players? And when you think, I'm sure a lot of people looked at Atlanta like oh Atlanta's doing well you know so like, how's Trey's doing and they kind of looked into it and Trey's having a solid season you know he's scoring 25 a game nine and a half assists that those are you know big time numbers, numbers. but yeah yeah the, the threes are down the efficiencies and eh, you know like just kind of across the board his scoring is a little bit down and defense is is what it is but Clint Capella has been just a huge upgrade from anybody there playing at center last year and He's he's doing everything they need for them, just everything they need, and I don't think anybody's really thinking about Clint Capello when they look at the Atlanta Hawks. But when you actually watch the games, and I, I've seen a few Hawks games, whenever he's on the floor, they they look like a completely different team. Yeah, no, Clint Capello's really had a great season. I mean, he may he may uh may take the Rudy Gobert of the East title next year. I don't know who has it now, but we'll have to make it. Yeah, up. and that that kind of, I think that's not to like make, turn this into MVP talk, but like, I, I think that's kind of the struggle people have with Gobert because I, I, I've used, I would heard people earlier in the season, not so much recently, but I heard uh, people saying like Gobert could be a top three MVP candidate. Gobert could be a top five MVP candidate. And it's just, it's just tough when you think, okay, Gobert is doing all these great things, but like, think about Capella, you know, Capella could do pretty much all of what Gobert does offensively. I probably make the argument Capella is a better offensive player. I think he's, I think he's more athletic on lobs. I think that he might he can be, definitely he, catch the ball easier. Yeah, 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 more sure-handed for sure. He's probably not the de- the defensive player that Gobert is. But like, what percentage can you get of Gobert with Capella? You know, can you get ninety percent of Gobert with Capella? Can you get eighty-five percent of of Gobert with Capella? And Capella is not even getting close to MVP talks. He wasn't even All Star this season. So I think that's the struggle with guys like Gobert because you look at players like him, you're like, how much can you get with other players that kind of play like him, you know, if you put him in that situation? And then, you know, other players with elite offensive talents like Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, like there's not replacements, you know? Like there's there's nobody you put in yeah. Joel Embiid's spot and they're going to produce the same. There's nobody you put in Jokic's spot where he's going to produce the same. So I think that's what it comes down to when you look at players like Gobert and their – MVP status, but that's just a tangent. All right. Well, long story short, I guess I'll do my third team. So I had CP3, Westbrook. Westbrook, Jesus. Oh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to give them a little roses. I'll, I'll finish up. I had Gobert, <laughs> I had Butler, and I had LeBron. Okay. Uh, the Tatum and LeBron. Tatum for me was actually, you know, I had Tatum, and LeBron was who I assumed they would cut out, you know? Wait, LeBron's not in your third team? No, sorry. LeBron was my third team guy, but I – no, Tatum was my third team guy. LeBron was not. Missed too many games, in my opinion. LeBron's not on your All-NBAs? LeBron did not make the All-NBAs. ESPN be damned. Oh, goodness. Um, okay, let's uh... – all right, let me, let me pull this up. So I... – No, no, no. I, I get the points. I get, I get what his impact. But he missed a lot of games. Tatum's been there for – he missed maybe nine to ten games, I think. I could be wrong. No, Tatum but has played he... a lot more. Tatum has 61 games. LeBron is 43. So it's a big difference. Right. That's all I'm saying. The impact on the floor. LeBron, if he played probably ten more games, he would have been on the spot. But 
I just think Tatum deserves it more. He's been in and day in, day out doing more. Not because of Bron Camp, but because he just hasn't been able to. And I know it's taboo. That's my only And then Butler's your other forward? Yeah, Butler gets it. Okay. I honestly honestly not that mad about that. Uh the yeah. the Westbrook thing. Yeah, Westbrook seems to be your beef. I, uh, I think the Kyrie thing takes over is kind of the same thing as the LeBron. All of the Nets guys really just didn't, you know, play enough to for me to actually qualify them on the all NBA teams. And what Westbrook's been doing is pretty historic and it feels a little disrespectful. He was the last guy put in. But yeah. It was okay, either so Westbrook what, or Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. What Westbrook's played, played ten more games than Kyrie, so that that is something. But I don't even, I think there's some recency bias going on with the Westbrook stuff. Uh that I, is I, fair, yes. I, I I like he's playing great right now and this is like the, the Westbrook that we all have fun with when he's putting up the numbers and winning. That's that's what we all like to see. But I mean all star like, we, we were talking all-star game, and Westbrook wasn't even in the conversation. Like, we weren't even mentioning his name. And there's a reason for that, because he wasn't good for the first half of the season. He was honestly a negative at many t- points. So, I, I don't see a world where you can put Westbrook over Bradley Beal to begin with. That's first thing. And then, I don't know. Just, and, then, and then you have other guards where they've had – solid seasons as well on winning teams guys like Devin Booker guys like Donovan Mitchell who we haven't even mentioned what about Jalen Brown who was playing like a superstar I mean you're talking about him as an all-star starter for the first half of the year I like what Westbrook's doing I think it's 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 great for the league when he's playing well and the Wizards are playing really good basketball and I'd probably have him as an honorable mention but I think there's several guys that I mean, what about Drew Holiday? Drew Holiday is having a great season. We haven't even mentioned his name. I'd I personally put several players ahead of Westbrook before I got there. But so that's probably right, my – That's fair. That's yeah. fine. Um, what was I going to say? Sorry. I had – it was Beal and Westbrook. Basically, my third team broke down to – it was either going to be – it's going to be CP3 or uh, Booker or – and then Westbrook or Beal for the two guard spots. So someone on the Suns, someone on the Wizards is going to get yeah. one. Why are you so hell bent on getting a wizard in? I mean, it was Westbrook or Beal for me. They played a lot of games. I think the recency bias is very fair with Westbrook, but when you take it into the full context of the season, he had a really – and so to get to the numbers he's at now, he had to go absolutely bonkers from probably, I guess, halfway through the the season and on. You know, It's kind of like the RJ thing where he shot – he was shooting, what was it, 18% at the beginning of the season? And then for him to get up to 40, which he's at now, he had to go on a crazy stretch. And people don't really consider that. They just look at the whole picture and or they think like, ah, this is just like a small blip. So that's where I, I'm leaning. I just think you have to frame it like this. OK, say you were an NBA team. I mean, and, and you could put this on like, like, let's compare him to Kyrie, who I think is having. I, I mean, I was considering having him on second team and like, let's just compare Kyrie and Westbrook. So and. Think about if you were the Wizards or the Nets. I don't care. You could use either situation. Would you rather this season had eh, – let, let's assume they play the rest of the of the way. So that would mean that there's – so Westbrook played 61. So let's say Westbrook plays 65 and Kyrie plays 55. Would you have rather had 65 games of Westbrook or 55 games of Kyrie? 
Because I know my answer, and I don't think it's particularly close. Kyrie Irving right now is giving you 27 a game on efficiency that is just absurd. I mean, he's, he's pretty much 50, 40, 90. He's 50, 39, 92, and he's shooting 56% on two-pointers, which is unheard of for a guard. Like, there's been big stretches this season where Kyrie was playing with either himself or just Harden, and he has been scoring as well as anybody. I could probably make the argument that outside of Curry, he's been the best scorer in the NBA, just from a consistency standpoint, efficiency standpoint, volume, whatever you want. I don't really see how you have no Brooklyn Nets in the All-NBA teams while Kyrie is having the season that he's having. I, I'm i just struggling with that. So right, that's well. it. So what's your answer, though? Would you rather have 55 games of Kyrie or 65 of Westbrook this season? I think that's a it's a specific re- a lens to put it through. Realistically, Westbrook, on the team he's on, <clears throat> he needed to play that many games as opposed to Kyrie where he took games off and he didn't play as much, but he was impactful when he was there. But you look at the specific impact of how they played the game. Like Kyrie, was, he gave you buckets when you needed it consistently. Westbrook was doing almost, you know, he was doing more with the impact he had where he was, you know, distributing, rebounding, making a difference in the pace and changing the way they played. I don't, not to say Kyrie can't or Kyrie didn't do that, but I just think uh, the Nets missed enough that Kyrie kind of misses the, the, the ballot for me. And it was Westbrook or Beal for me the whole time, just because of the, the run they've made to starting out, what was it? Three and 15 to be able to come back and almost get to 500 possibly by the end of the season. It's a pretty impressive feat. And to have two guys that are pretty much doing all of it, where there's not really any third guy, there's no, there's really no third or fourth guy. It's just good rotation pieces. It's impressive. One of them should probably get it. All right. All right. I was a Harden guy when he was around, but then he just dipped out with his quad. Yeah. If, if, if Harden stayed, you know, playing the way he was and he didn't get hurt then you know he'd he'd have an argument for second team probably but yeah i probably would have bumped pg for him no Kyrie. i can i'm yeah. now that i'm looking now that i'm looking out of my i could i could see the no lebron he's missed, he's missed a lot of time but yeah i don't know man we'll have to i'm, I'm not perfect maybe it's Beal, <laughs> but i think it's got to be westbrook or beal really yeah no drew what about drew Drew's been good. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. I I would probably put Kyrie over Drew, but it's yeah, the same put... argument you were having before, where it's like I'd rather have fifty-five games of Kyrie as opposed to Drew played a lot this year. I'd still probably prefer the fifty-five Kyrie. Yeah, so would I. But I'd probably put all these guys I've mentioned over Westbrook, honestly. Even even though he's had this great stretch, I'm just. That Jalen Brown, of course, has to get mentioned. And this it's a tough, it's a tough All NBA year. Very tough All. Jalen Brown's my tough out. I, I shed a tear. Yeah, you want you'd like to have him involved, but I mean Zach Levine could have gotten interest, but he's not. But he just missed that whole entire COVID thing, so he's kind of out of the picture. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a, it's a tough field this year. It's a tough field for sure. But all right, well. I, th- I think we're mostly on the same page. And uh, oh, another guy we, we we never mentioned who I mean was a tough snub for me was Zion at forward because Zion's having a crazy yeah, year. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I had a tough time leaving Zion off, but I mean, you, you could probably make an argument for Zion over Le- over LeBron for me. 
But, I mean, LeBron did play an MVP level up until the ankle injury. So, I mean, yeah. that, like, you know, he was he was a, a top three guy in the league. So, even though he missed a t- ton of time, it's just hard for me to keep a guy off who's playing at that high of a level for that long. But, yeah, yeah. That's where we are. All right. All right. Well, got anything else? Don't have any, a whole any lot. Any quick else. parting thoughts? Quick parting thoughts. Um, tonight, I believe if the Pacers win, the Raptors are eliminated. That's all I have to say. Poor Kyle Lowry. Poor, Poor Kyle Milwaukee Lowry. Flynn. He doesn't get his, his respect. If you say Milwaukee one more time. Milwaukee. He's a pick and roll dynamo. He is. He is. He is. All right, Phil. Well, that'll do that. We had all NBA. We had playing stuff. We'll come back next week. We'll have all of our plans ready to go. We'll give a little playing preview. That should be fun. Other than that, check us out on YouTube, Hoopscoop. Follow us on Twitter at HoopscoopPod. And listen to our podcast on all platforms. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Peace.